Already know what it is. It's your coach that knows who's the most. This is Talking Hoops with Coach Cam, episode five. We all the way live, man. Welcome back. Came back to talk some more hoops with you guys because you know that's what I love to do. And that's what we do here with Talking Hoops with Coach Cam. And we talk basketball, man, all levels D2. We talk NBA, we talk college, high school, AAU, all of that. You know, we recently we've had a lot of bias or talked about a lot about high school and college. I'm going to mix in a little bit of NBA this week just because we're getting close to the playoffs. But you already know what it is, man. So this week we're going to talk about uh, the Great Lake Storm, the Grand Rapids Storm Classic that I attended last weekend. I commentated 11 games, so I'm going to give you my little recap on that. And you can see the article on my website, menofrecruit.com. Go and check that out. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about MSU and their roster. They got some more guys in the portal. We'll talk about that. I'll talk about some Mr. and Miss Basketball winners here in the state of Michigan. Got some AAU events coming up and things of that sort. But we're going to get right to it, man. And the first thing I want to talk about is the Mr. and Miss Basketball here in the state of Michigan. So uh, a week ago, it was announced who won Miss, Miss Basketball, and it was Demaya Hageman out of Detroit Edison. And one thing that was really great about her winning Miss Basketball is that Edison has had the last three Miss Basketballs. So this is the third one in a row. Right. And they had the type of program where they've been dominant and they've been nationally ranked. They've won multiple state titles, even though they couldn't compete this year because of COVID. And you can tell what type of program they had at Edison because they got high level players every single year going high major. Right. So she's going to Michigan State and she's going to do great things there. Uh, but so shout out to her for winning Miss Basketball here in the state of Michigan. And I don't remember the last time that that happened where Mr. and Miss Basketball resided in Detroit, two players from Detroit. Like it's been a long time since that happened. And with that being said, it was announced Mr. Basketball was Pierre Brooks II. So shout out to Pierre for winning um, not only the state championship at Frederick Douglass, which, which has been done of the only state championship in school history for Frederick Douglass. Um, the first time a PSL team has won it since, I think, 2011 when per 11 or 9. Whenever Persian won it, that was the last time. So it's been a while since a PSL team has won a state championship. No, I, no I'll take that back. Detroit Western won it in 16. So it was the last time a PSL team won a state champion since then. Um, he deserved it, man. He averaged 30 a game. He put Frederick Douglass on his back. And he was a high-level player every year. And when it comes to BCAM, BCAM voters, they went with they like to go with the guy that's going to an in-state school. So if Foster wonders if he was going to like a Central or Western or Oakland or maybe even a Michigan, he might have got a little bit more votes. And he might have edged out Pierre, uh, but he's all the way up in the UP. And he's had a great uh, career, four years at Iron Mountain and went to a few state finals. Uh, got cheated one year. The year before last, he got completely cheated. Uh, but it's a very good ball player for Foster Wonders. And the thing about B-Cams, they want to go for an in-state guy. And the in-state guy this year was Pierre Brooks. And you saw it all year long. He put Frederick Douglass on his back and won a state championship. So, I mean, he deserved the award this year. I, I like it when, when guys deserve to get the award. And he does uh, for the work that he puts in, him and his dad. Uh, great great family, great kid. Mom is, is awesome. Dad is awesome. Uh, Pierre's a wonderful kid. He works his tail off. So he deserved the Mr. Basketball Award for the state of Michigan. 
And Spartan fans, I'm going to tell you like this. You're going to get production out of him sooner than you thought. I know when you first thought and you saw Pierre Brooks was committed, it's like, okay, that's a good player out of Detroit. But I'm telling you right now, his game is next level. He's ready. He's Big Ten ready. He's ready to play. He's ready to make an impact at Michigan State at the Breslin Center. And you saw that with the step back three he made at half court. You saw it. Like, oh, man, if he's shooting it like that, I, I know right now they can use some shooting on their roster. So he's going to do well in East Lansing. So shout out to the Mr. and Miss Basketball Awards coming from players from Detroit. And Detroit used to be a hotbed of talent. The PSL uh, used to be a hotbed of talent where you got high major athletes, guys going to the league. And that's not norm. That's not the case now. So the fact that we can highlight two players, two student athletes from the city of Detroit to win the Mr. and Mr. Basketball Award, I think is pretty phenomenal uh, because the, I think the PSL is on the downslide a little bit. Um, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was administration. I don't know if it's uh, the charter schools getting up, but we got to get back to the PSL being one of the best conferences in the country, and that's no longer the case. Shoot, I coach in the OAA, and it gives me that PSL vibe, but then I look at the coaches, and you got PSL guys that's PSL coaches in the OAA. You know, you got Detroit guys as coaches in the OAA, so it's no wonder why Oak Park does did what they did this year. There's no reason why Ferndale did what they did this year. Ron Rickman used to be at East English. He a PSL guy. You know what I'm saying? Like Terrence Porter, what he did at, at, at Farmington. You know what I'm saying? I can name multiple coaches in the OAA that's doing a pretty good job that probably should be, and not even just the OAA, but just, you know, look at uh, what Coach Scott is doing over at Chandler Park. He should be coaching in the PSL, even though Chandler Park was in the PSL for a brief moment of time. But there are coaches at other programs around the state. These coaches should be at normally in, in the normal 10 years ago, these kind of coaches that was in the PSL. It wasn't just George Ward. It wasn't just Steve Hall. It wasn't just uh, Ken Flowers. It was a multiple. You're talking about 10, 15, 20 of the best coaches in the state in the PSL, and that's no longer the case. So will that change? I don't know. It's kind of out of pocket to the point where I don't know if the PSL can ever recover. I don't know because parents don't want to send their kids to PSL schools. And if they do, they send them to Cass. They send them to Renaissance, and that's it. You know, uh, people don't live in the neighborhoods where these schools are located anymore. You know, they, they live out in West Bloomfield. They, they live out in, you know, in Southfield and Novi and Lake Oregon and you name it, and Troy. They don't live in Detroit no more. And not because it's not safe, they just don't. So if the people ain't living in the city no more, they got to go to school somewhere. So will that change? I'm not sure. But there used to be a point in time where the PSL was where it was at. Where it was at, man, and that's no longer the case. And it's, uh, it really it hurts my heart because I'm a PSL kid through in and throughout. You know, I went to Cass Tech. I played at Cass. My dad was a supervisor of athletic for 20-plus years. My brothers, they went to PSL schools. They went to Mumford and went to Cass. Like, I was at the city championships every year. I was at the track championships. I was at the volleyball championships. Like, I was there. Like, I was a PSL kid. And to see where it's at right now is pretty disheartening. But, you know, hopefully that change here in the future. So, speaking of high school, staying here for a little bit, I'm seeing people post high school rankings of teams at the end of the year. And I never was a fan of rankings, especially teams, because... It's hard, it's hard for one person or two people or a group of people to see all the teams. So if you rank in 100 teams, you didn't see all 100 teams play. And if you did, you're a lot. You didn't see all 100 teams play this year or even last year. And those, those kind of things change year in and year out. And then you post your rankings and then you got somebody that's ranked in the top five that didn't win a state championship. And you got a team that's ranked 21 that was a state champion. So it's just like it's really 
It's confusing. I don't like it. That's not my lane. That's why I don't do rankings. Because first of all, you can't please everybody. Second of all, it just doesn't make sense because I don't give the opportunity to see everybody. Now, if I was able to do a Metro Detroit ranking, I could do that because I've seen all the Metro Detroit teams. If I wanted to do an OAA ranking, I could do that because I saw all the OAA teams. I can't do a state of Michigan uh, ranking because I did not see all the teams play. I might have seen your highlights. I might have seen some game clips. But to say I sit here and watched every team in the Catholic League play, I didn't. Did I see Catholic Central? I, I saw some clips. Did I see full game film? No. Now, I saw a full game film on Brother Rice, full game film on U of D, of course, right? De La Salle saw a full game film on them. But did I see everybody? No. But see, that's just me and what I do with Mitten Recruit. I'm not doing rankings. Because if I rank your child where they really should be, some of you people will be upset. But I don't do that. I'm not going to tell you that your child needs to get a little bit better, even though they need to, right? But that's just not my lane. Now, will I do a watch list? Yes, I will, like I did before the year. Here's your 2024 watch list. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing other people from other websites and other, and other outlets start using the term watch list. I didn't get that from nobody. I didn't take that term and then, you know, get it from somebody and use it myself. I started doing it. Then all of a sudden, everybody want to do a 24 watch list, a 23 watch list. And it's cool. Do your thing. You know, uh, cop copying is the, the, the best form of uh, imitation is the best form of flattery or whatever, whatever, the, the, whatever it is. Whatever it is, keep doing what you do because I'm going to do what I do at Mitten Recruit. Check it out, MittenRecruit.com if you got time, at Mitten Recruit on Twitter. So I don't do the rankings. That's not going to be me. Uh, I'm just going to tell you who you need to watch. I'm going to tell you what teams are good. Like before the season last year, I told you Detroit Renaissance girls team was going to be very good. They went to the state final. I told you Grass Lake was going to be very good. They won a state championship. So that's what I, I want to do that. See, I have a platform. I don't have a service. There's a difference between having a platform and having a service. A service means I'm doing for something for people, whether it benefits them or benefits me, whether it's monetary or otherwise. I'm not charging for any of my information. This podcast don't cost nothing. It also don't cost nothing for me to turn the microphone and start talking about basketball. But I'm also not going to charge you to read an article. You're not going to click on an article and have to subscribe to my website. Not doing it. I'm different. I'm not like some of these other people. I'm different. I'm going to give you the information as I see it. What you do with it is what you wish. But I'm going to give it to you real. I'm going to give it to you straight because I've been around. I've been around the game of basketball here in the state of Michigan since 1999. I graduated in the 99 playing at Detroit Cast Tech. I went to school and played college here for four years. And then from there, from 2005 until now, which is 16 years, I've been coaching high school and college basketball. So I've seen a lot over the years. So that's why people can understand, like, I like listening to Coach Cam because your takes are always on point. It's all facts because it really is. I don't benefit for any of this information. I just want you to know what Coach Cam feels about it. So moving on, the great rap, the Grand Rapids Storm Classic. What you need, the guys need to know about AAU is this. I know a lot of people, they, they like to clown or they like to talk down on AAU or travel basketball, whatever you want to call it. Like, ah. Oh, AAU was hurting the game. AAU was the reason why all these players shooting all these threes, all these transfers because of AAU and this and that. That's not the case. Here in the state of Michigan, the, one of the best travel team events is the Grand Rapids Storm Classic. And that's not because they have sponsored to this podcast at all. I know Jason Martin, very good guy, uh, the program director for the Storm, right? He doesn't pay me to say that. I say it because I've been to the event. I've had my AAU teams play in the event, and I've been watching this event for the last 10 years, and it's the best event in the state of Michigan, one of the best. 
if not the best. And then the brawl for ball is right there in July. That's right there too. But the thing that I like about this event is you get high-level Michigan teams outside of the family. So the family wasn't there. But everybody else was there. You had Base Fundamental there. You had Reach there. You had Grand Rapids Storm there. You had a lot of good teams in the state of Michigan. But with that, you had some teams from, uh, some from neighboring states. C2K Elite comes from Ohio, and they always got a good program. You're always going to get a couple kids from their teams. It's like, man, that kid can play. Indy Heat is always involved with the tournament because Jason Martin has a, a partnership with um, Grassroots. I mean, not Grassroots, Gym Rats, where they'll do an event here in Grand Rapids. And then they, you know, do an event in uh, Indy as well. Uh, but the Indy Heat, they always bring a couple teams up to play an event. I'm telling you what, I know I talk about Michigan recruits, but that kid Jalen Jackson from Indy Heat Red, oh man, he's a, he's a stud. He's a mid-major player for sure. You'll see him start getting some more uh, mid-major looks here uh, soon. But that kid Jalen Jackson can play. Uh, I know I don't talk about any kids, but Indiana's full of kids that can play. Uh, and he's one of them. So I like the mixture of good Michigan teams. Would have liked to seen the family. Uh, compete in this event, but it was just a little too early. They just started practicing. They just putting their team together. So it was hard for them to get involved in the mix. Uh, base fundamentals came up and had a good showing. They won 15U and 16U. 17U, I think they either made it to the championship game or was in the final four. So base fundamentals had a very good uh, weekend, even though they did not bring Amani Bates. Amani Bates did not perform. Um, he didn't come up here with the base fundamental crew. Um, but they still had a very, very good showing. So a couple things that I liked about the Grand Rapids Storm Classic, it's very well ran. So games are pretty much on time. The schedule doesn't change very much. Uh, just like I sat on court one and was able to watch all the best teams are pretty much very close to all the best teams. Right on court one, 11 games from 9 o'clock to uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock at night. Was able to see all the good teams right there and all the coaches were there. Every small coach or small college in the state of Michigan was at this event. So you talk about Hope, talk about Calvin, talk about Olivet, you talk about Northwood, you talk about Fair State was there. I mean, all the Glee, the whole GLIAC was like, if you're a GLIAC coach and you weren't there, you did something wrong. If you were an MIAA coach and you weren't there, you did something wrong. If you're a WAC coach and you weren't there, you did something wrong. Because I'm going to tell you like what, this event has players for all of those levels. And the one thing that I've talked about the state of Michigan, we've got players that can play JUCO. We've got players that can play D1, players that can play D2 and D3. So when you have a state that has so many levels of basketball, so many schools that you can go to, different ones, not just a D1 college or just a D2 state, when you have events like this and you can see multiple players that can play in multiple levels, you gotta attend if you can and trust and believe. D1's had eyes on the event. Whether you can watch the live stream or you got somebody that you can trust, like an Arnett Jordan that has family ties, Nike ties, to say, you know, Coach Jordan, I need you to go to the tournament and I need you to watch Braylon, Braylon Green for me. Sure, I'll stay there and I'll watch him and I'll watch a couple of other kids. So D1's got eyes on the tournament. So don't act like, you know, trust me, uh, Coach Kevin White from Stout, he was there watching uh, players for about five or six Division I teams. So even though the D1 coaches can't be there, they got eyes on the event, so I like that as well. Plenty of coaches there. It's high-level competition. Um, and, yeah, so I was really impressed with the Grand, the Storm Classic. Um, base fundamentals, man. They had – I talked about them having a good showing. Braylon Green 
is a player. He was my MVP on the weekend. Brandon Green was my MVP. Malik Olafoye, he had a really good weekend as well. Uh, but Braylon Green was just a different level, man. He's high major-ish. And you, he showed he was high major-ish because right after the tournament, he gets an offer from Mississippi State. Right after the tournament. Which is his first power. He said it was power five, but power five is kind of a football term. Uh, high major. It was his first high major offer that he got. And it was right after the tournament. As soon as the tournament's over, he gets a phone call, offer from Mississippi State. And trust me, that's not going to be the last. He's going to get more high major interest as more of these tournaments keep going on. Uh, but he was very intriguing, man. He was very good all weekend long. The game I saw, I mean, he was he had dunks. He had threes. He was after it defensively. He was really good. Uh, and I have a report on MintonRecruit.com where I talked about a lot of these players that I'm about to mention. I'm only going to mention a few that really caught my eye. He's one. I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you three players from the event that caught my eye. Brandon Green was one of them. The second player that caught my eye over the weekend was Jawan Maxey, another base fundamental kid. He's on the 17U, uh, Detroit Renaissance. So Detroit Renaissance is always known for having guards. I mean, you can look back at the Mark, the Mark White era. He always had guards. I always had guards that could play at Detroit Renaissance. Go back and check. Every one of my teams had very good guards, Division One guards, D2 guards. Um, Jawan Maxey should be getting looked at from mid-major schools. So the Mac should be on the radar for this 22 kid. He can play. He's got a different motor now. When I saw him a year ago, he's just a good little player. But now he got a different motor. Like, he, he can make the three. He can get to the rim. He, he, he's after it defensively. Jawan Maxey is a very good player. So that's a player that caught my eye. And the third player that caught my eye isn't a high major kid. This kid probably won't even play in the GLIAC. This kid was playing for a 16U team, and nobody probably knows who the kid is. I didn't know until I saw the game. The kid's name is Harrison Sorrell. He plays at, ooh, the team that he plays for is Lakeshore Regional, something crazy like that. But he's one of those kids that I watched, and the more that I watched him, I was like, man, this kid can play. And he's one of those under-the-radar kids that might go to a small college. He might end up at a D3 um, in AIA, you never know, but he's 6'6", 6'5", he long, he lanky, he can shoot it really well, had a really good feel for the game, and as a recruiter, I have an eye for talent, not just D1 talent, not just D2 talent, not just NAIA talent, I'm able to see a kid play and say, you know what, he'll be good at a mid-major level, he'll be good at a mid-major plus level, he'll be good at a high major level. He's good at a D2. And when I say these terms and I say comparable to what level they can play at, I'm already thinking of, thinking of a kid they remind me of. This kid reminds me of a kid that played at Rochester College. Rochester College in AIA. He was all league. He was all state. He was the best player in class D, I want to say, three, four years ago. He went to a Clarkson school. I can't remember the name, but I remember... Having him at camp, Rashad Phillips College camp, and Rashad said, I want you to put this kid through the blender for, for a week. For a week. I just want you to put him through some drills. Uh, Andrew Klein, that's his name. Andrew Klein. Shout out to Andrew Klein if you're still, if you're listening somehow. Drew, oh man, a phenomenal kid. 6'6, six, six. well, not about 6'6, he's about 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, we had a good feel for the game, good body, but I didn't think he was athletic enough to play in the GLIAC. I thought he shot it well enough to play in, to play in the GLIAC. I didn't think athletically he could. 
He ends up at Rochester, has a great career at Rochester. This is what this kid, he reminds me of Andrew Klein. So Andrew Klein played NAI. And the kid I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a high major kid. I'm not talking about a mid-major kid. I'm talking about a kid that might play D3. But just because you play D3 don't mean you're not a good player. There are plenty of good players. And that's the thing that that's the, the one thing that I want people to understand is just because you go Division Three doesn't mean you can't play and have a great career. There are plenty of people that don't ever play college. Not a single minute. Most of these scouts and critics and people that do the rankings, they ain't never played in college. They never played overseas. So having the, the chance to play at a Division Three school or NAI school is a blessing because not everybody gets a chance to play college basketball. That's something that you can put on your resume for the rest of your life. You go to a job interview and they say, oh, I see that you... Uh, you got 3.5 from Rochester College. That's a pretty good school. Oh, you played basketball too. How did you manage athletics and academics and still have high grades? That means you got work ethic. If I'm giving you a job, that means that you, you want to be a part of a team. You're a team player. So it means something. So I, I don't just have a D1 eye. I, I can see players. Harrison Sorrell from the NBA uh, Lakeshore National 16 and under team. That kid can play. And I'm going to find some way somehow to watch this kid play again uh, because he's one of those kids. He's going to end up at an NAIA uh, D3 only because you don't know much about him. Uh, but this kid can flat out play. So I enjoyed him watching him play over the weekend. So, so yeah, that's that's my recap of the great, the grand, I can't want to say Great Lakes, the Storm Classic. Let's just call it Storm Classic. That's my recap of the Storm Classic. High-level event, high-level players. Can't wait for the brawl for the ball because that's coming up soon. So grassroots basketball continues this weekend. So every weekend from April, May, a uh, little bit of June, not so much. June is more so for the high school. And then July, so three out of the next four months, every weekend you're going to have grassroots travel team AAU events. And the events this weekend are in Kentucky. They're, that's going to be the highest level event is going to be in Kentucky because you got EYBL teams that's going to be there. You got NY2LA teams that's going to be there. You got UAA teams that's going to be there. So if you have the opportunity, if you want to watch some basketball this weekend, I'm telling you right now, go to NY2LA, purchase a live stream for $50. Coaches, trust me, you're going to want to do it. Uh, because it's going to be some players there. The Family Folly makes their debut. They're going to be there. So I might even just get the live stream just so I can watch them and catch a couple of their games. The games start off Friday and today, tonight. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be paying attention to, to how they play, who's on their roster, who's playing well, things of that sort. Um, but it's going to be a high-level event. Down in Atlanta, the three-stripe circuit, uh, Adidas, they pop off in Atlanta this weekend. I know Reach is going to be down there, so I'm going to be paying attention to that tournament. And Indy, Indianapolis, um, Fort Wayne, those two areas in Indiana always have high-level events. There's another high-level event there this weekend. Not quite sure of the schedule yet. They haven't released it. So there's going to be some good tournaments and players there. So I'm going to try to get on some live streams this weekend, check some players out so I can get a good gauge, even though I'm not there. I still get a good gauge of what players are doing and things of that sort because I had a really good time. See, and this is why I was able to watch 11 games last weekend. I did the commentary. I, it was me on the microphone. Hey, it's your coach that knows who's the most on court one, getting it done. That was me. So I, not, the, the thing about commentating 11 games, I'm talking, I'm talking the game like I'm talking to you right now. And I felt comfortable. I was in my zone. I was in my bag, like the kids say. Like, coach Cam, you was in your announcer bag. Yeah, I didn't know you had one of those, Coach Camby. I got all the bags. 
even though I ain't getting paid for none of them. Man, ain't that crazy? Got the best podcast around, and I don't get paid a penny, but it's all good, man. I don't do this for the money. I don't do it for the hype or the prestige or none of that, because this your coach that knows hoops the most. You feel me? So I got to sit there for 11 games, and I saw some high-level basketball being played. So as I'm doing the commentary, I'm taking notes. I'm talking about Jawan Maxey, and I'm taking notes. All right, I need to go back, and I might need to watch a little bit more Jawan Maxey. I might be paying attention to where base fundamentals goes next weekend because, yeah, I might have to tell a couple coaches, look, uh, look, look, Coach Barbie, if, if you give me a call, look, we might want to get eyes on Jawan Maxey and, and Bates. Uh, look here, uh, Stan Heath, you might want to check out Bates. You might want to get that live stream. You might want to check out this game here because there's some 22s that might be deserving of some offers. So I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, we got some news. Central Michigan hires a basketball coach. It only took them a month or so. Um, Eastern, you already know, they got Stan Heath. But it was announced today that Tony Barbie, Tony Barbie, assistant at Kentucky, gets the head job at Central Michigan. And I know a lot of people were kind of like, Okay, cool. Like, all right, you you get a guy a high major assistant. I mean, that's a pretty big hire. That's a they call it in the industry. They call that a splash hire. It's not the alumni. It's not the guy that you know. I know I endorsed Andy Bronkema. I saw him at the, at the Storm Classic. He said, "Cam, thanks for the shout out. Uh, appreciate it." But it was genuine. I was like, "All right, coach. I mean, you deserved it. Keep up the good work." Uh, but you know, hiring the local guys, ah, it's a splash here. You know. Locally. And when you hire a search firm, and this is what I said last week, if you hire a search firm, you're looking for a splash hire of some sort. You want to be able to get some juice back into your program. You want the uh, World Wide Wests of the world, Nike, you want Nike to get involved. And when you hire a coach like Tony Barbie that comes from Kentucky, that was a head coach at Auburn, that was the head coach um, in the SEC, like that's a big deal. I mean, he was at UTEP, took them to the tournament. That's a big deal. That's a splash hire. And when you think about it, like, man, Kentucky has had Michigan players on their roster. Guys like Isaiah Jackson. Like, okay. You know, he was at Memphis. And guess who was at Michigan? Memphis from Michigan. CDR, Chris Douglas Roberts. He was at Memphis at the same time. It's like, okay, James Young. Like, okay. He got James Young up out of here. So you're starting to think like, okay, well, he's got, he's got to have some type of presence within the state. Whether your presence is with the family and Speedy whether your presence with other coaches here able to get you those high-level players. Uh, but he's going to have to be able to do that at, at Central Michigan. So we're going to find out what he does with his staff. you got to have somebody on staff that has a Michigan presence, right? doesn't necessarily have to be a Michigan guy. But if you got three assistants, one of them got to be a Michigan guy. If you want to do the splash hire, do the splash hire right. Do the splash hire right. Hire the Michigan guy so you can get you some Michigan players on campus. You get you some Michigan high school teams at your team camp. You get some guys at your elite camp. The only way to do that is to hire somebody that people know. If you don't hire somebody that people don't know, they're not going to support your team camp. Because trust me, June 1 hit, that first weekend of June, you're going to see all type of elite camps. You're going to see all type of team camps popping off, as you should, because they didn't have almost two years off. So you need to get some kids on campus and need some, some players. Now you're going to have to follow some protocols and stuff like that. But hopefully he hires a Michigan guy and keeps the ball rolling. So what's up with Michigan State, man? What's up with MSU? MSU got more guys in the portal. Uh, Thomas Kithier, he's in the portal. He commits to Valpo. Foster Lawyer, he's in the portal. Where does he commit to? And when I thought about it, I was like, man, Michigan State is losing a lot. They're losing Aaron Henry. They're losing Langford. They're losing Rocket Watts. 
They're losing Foster Lawyer. They're losing Hoiberg. They probably ain't going to miss him. Uh, they're losing Kithier and you're losing Lawyer. So it's like, man, that's seven players. So in order to, when you got those seven players, six or seven players leaving, that means you got to bring in six or seven guys too. But they're not bringing in six or seven guys. They're bringing in four. They're bringing in Max Christie, Pierre Brooks, Jay Nakins, and Tyser Walker uh, from Northeastern. The one thing about these guys that they're bringing in, they're not bringing these guys in just to sit on the bench and be like, oh, hey, guys, I'm here. No, no, no. Two of these guys will be starting next year, whether it's Tyson Walker, uh, the grad transfer from Northeastern, whether it's him and, and Max Christie or him and Pierre Brooks or him and Jay, and he probably bring Jaden off the bench to be Walker's backup. But these are the guys that's going to play because you got a log jam at the forward spot. I mean, you got Gabe Brown uh, potentially still on the roster. Uh, Marcus Bingham, you got Hall, you got uh, House is still there. So it's just like you, it's like a log jam at the forward spot. But what they're missing is shooting, and what they're missing is guard play, and that's exactly what they bring in. The one thing that you can say about all these guys, Max Christie, Brooks, Akins, and Walker, is they can score and they can shoot their guards. Right? No disrespect to AJ Hoggart, he's a good player, but they never they never recruited him to be the next guy. They recruited him to be a good piece. And when, you, when you're recruiting in college, you need to have pieces. You need to have players. You need to have pieces. Some guys that, are, are, that can get it done. No matter what, those are your players. Your, your, your top offensive guys, your top defensive guys, those are your players. And your pieces are guys that can do their job. You know, and A.J. Hoggart is a piece. Take care of the basketball. Keep the ball in front of you. Make open shots. There you go. Right? They didn't, they're not looking at A.J. Hoggart to average 15 points per game and five assists. That's not going to happen. So these guys that they're bringing in, these are guys that need to make an impact, and I'm sure that they will. So we'd like to see what – so what's Michigan State going to do? They're bringing in four. What do they do with the other two full scholarships for guys leaving? So this is what happens. I'm going to give you a little – I'm going to pull the curtain a little bit. This is what happens in recruiting. If you have six seniors, that means you have six available scholarships. So you can either bring in six freshmen, uh, four freshmen and two JUCO, uh, four freshmen and one, one transfer and then have one scholarship left. That, that's how you build your recruiting board. So does Tom Izzo go out and get another player, a brand new player to put in the mix? I don't think he does because he's bringing in four new ones and he's going to have to teach those guys. I don't think he gets a fifth guy. I think he goes with some of his returners. He goes with the guys he's bringing in and he only goes to the portal. If somebody that's on the roster decides to leave, if a Marcus Bingham says, you know what, you know, coach, I thought about it with my family and it's probably best that I transfer. Okay, that's fine. Um, Gabe Brown, somebody like that says, you know what, coach, uh, talk to him, my family, you know, they give you the whole spiel. And I think it's possible for me to transfer. So unless one of those two guys or somebody else on this roster uh, decides to transfer, it will stay the same. And I think they could. I think they could have a productive year if the new if the new guys coming in can shoot the ball well. They were missing shooting, and if they can shoot the ball well, trust me, Michigan State basketball will be fine. But they will only go in the transfer portal. They will only go in the transfer portal for those other two scholarships if somebody else leaves. They're going to save that for the 22 class because you might have another one come open just in case somebody base decides to go to the G League or he doesn't decide to come to East Lansing. Now that gives you three scholarships. So that gives you some play for some 22 guys. That gives you some play for like a Braylon Green. But even though you bring in four freshmen, you might not want to bring in another guard. 
So you might be looking at more wings. You might be looking at more post players in the 22 class. So that'll give you two or three scholarships to play with. And then you can offer guys and you can recruit like normal when you have scholarships to play with. If you give those two scholarships up, you have nothing to give a class of 22 or a class of 23 kid that you might like to put on your roster. So that's kind of how recruiting works. You, you go with the guys that are leaving and are on full scholarship. You take those scholarships and that's what you use to offer the kids of the future. Michigan State has two scholarships. Maybe three that they can offer uh, a 22 or a 23 kid to be on their roster, and they will be just fine. So uh, some other recruiting news. Chet Holmgren commits to Gonzaga, and word on the street is Juwan Howard was kind of, he wasn't mad about it, but he kind of, it kind of got back to him. It was like, okay, we're going to put them on our schedule then. You want if, if Gonzaga is the number one team in the country, well, we're going to show you. We're going to show you, all right, I got you. That's cool. Go there. Have fun. But guess what? Put us on the schedule and see what's, we'll see what's, we'll see what's good. We made it to Elite Eight, Sweet 16, and we got the number one recruiting class come back. What's good with that? Now, some people will say, well, how does Chet Holmgren get all the way to Gonzaga? Well, where's Jalen Suggs from? Jalen Suggs is from Minnesota. They play high school together. So they probably been on Chet. They probably been on Chet. He was a sophomore. It's all about relationships. It's all about you know, having those contacts to get a guy like that was like while you're while you're getting Jalen Suggs, it's like, hey, listen, man, I know we like Jalen Suggs, but that that six nine kid Chet Holmgren got a chance to be really good. We're gonna offer him, even as a sophomore, even if we can't get him, even if he doesn't get to our level. But man, that kid, that's how it happens, and that's how a kid like that can miss the Gonzaga over Michigan, even though Michigan probably would have been, uh, depending on what Franz Wagner does. And Hunter Dickerson, I mean, they probably don't even need Chet, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you'll take him, but it's like, you know, he's probably fit to be on the West Coast anyway. He ain't fit to be in no Big Ten. He ain't fit to be in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is big boy basketball. We going to bang you, right? He ain't got the frame to get banged like that in the Big Ten. So it's, it's better off you go to the West Coast, play, you know, where, where them guys like Tayshawn Prince and those skinny, long, wiry guys can be effective, like Aaron, Adam Morrison that was at Gonzaga and people like that. Go on out there and play Gonzaga. Don't, don't come to the Big Ten because you're going to get put in your place, right? There's some big guys in the – Kofi Cockburn, what? You think he let Chet Holmgren go by him? You got another thing coming. So um, that's that on the recruiting end. Uh, Mac Mansell, the interest of Mac Mansell is picking up. I've been talking to Division One coaches about him. I've been talking to D2 schools about him. He just took a visit to Grand Valley. Uh, that, that went well. Grand Valley is hoping that he commits – uh, so I like the interest in Mac Mansell. Uh, he's playing AU. Some, some coaches are finally get to see him. It's like, oh, man, that kid can play. And I'm sitting back like, I've only been saying it for a year. So the, the interest level in Mac Mansell, class of 2021, is really picking up. And you'll see what happens in the next month or so with his recruiting. As he's playing AAU and he's playing in front of coaches and he's getting some highlights out there, you'll get to see it's like, wow, this is what Coach Cam and Mitt Recruit has been talking about for almost a year. So shout out to Mac Mansell. Keep up the good work. Uh, I see some more offers coming for you soon. Uh, Jalen Hodges was just on uh, a visit to Davenport. So hopefully the GLIAC and uh, Davenport can take care of that. Deshaun Munson. Deshaun Munson is on some boards. Uh, Barton. He was at Barton Community College, and he averaged 16 and 8. So if you don't know anything about Barton Community College, they're Division I JUCO in Kansas. And in Kansas, that league, that Jayhawk League, is probably one of the top three or four JUCO conferences in the country. So if you could get a player from that conference 
to commit to your school that just got a free year. So Deshaun Munson, if I'm not mistaken, has three years to play at a four-year school. And he's from the Ann Arbor area. I want to say he went to Pine, Skyline or Pioneer, one of them. Uh, I probably screwed that up. He went to one of the Ann Arbor schools. I'm just, I can't think of at the top of my tongue. He's a Wade boy. You know what I feel about the Wade boys? Guys that are connected to Coach Wade in Ann Arbor are players, right? So he's a Michigan kid. Bring him back home, Central. Bring him back home, Eastern. Gliad, come on, get it done. He have 16 and 8. You have 16 and 8 in conference. And the Juco, the Juco here in Michigan is booming. It's booming. You had two teams in the national tournament. You had my community college in the national tournament. You had St. Clair. Uh, I think they lost in the first round in the national tournament. And then you had Henry Ford. Henry Ford made it to the national tournament. That's a big deal. To make it to Danville, both teams won their first game too, so they made it to the Sweet 16. Those are great, great seasons. And I've been talking about JUCO all year. I gave you my top five JUCO guys. I'm telling you, contact the JUCO coaches here. They're players at St. Clair. They're players all over the state that can help your rosters as soon as possible. So that's me talking about college a little bit, JUCO, a little bit of GLIAC. And I was talking to a college coach today, and I'll kind of uh, keep this brief. Um, and he's like, why aren't more schools recruiting Mac Mansell? It's obvious the kid can play, watch some film. Why aren't schools recruiting him? And I come to think about it, the thing that hurts Mac is because the GLIAC schools can bring their guys back. So you would rather take a junior or a senior that's over a high school kid, and it sucks for the class of 21, but you got a lot of that happening in GLIAC. You got a lot of people bringing back all of their team, or they're bringing back their best player who's probably a guard. And then if I'm bringing back my best guard, no need for me to recruit a high school guard that's probably not going to play. Uh, but what I think is, even though you bring back your best guard, Mac Mansell might be just as good as him. I'm telling you right now, GLIAC coaches, the reason why Mac Mansell is a high-level player because he's just as good, if not better, than the guys you already got. So that shouldn't be the case for him. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. That That's one of the things that's hurt his recruiters because the whole GLIAC conference is, you know, there's not a need for them this year. Now, next year, class of 22, there's going to be some needs when you can't bring back your seniors. So if you ain't got a whole bunch of juniors on your team this year, who could come back next year and be juniors? If you got seniors coming back next year and next year is their last year, you better have some footing on the class of 22. You, bet, you, better, you better know who Juwan Maxey is. And you better have him on your campus fast at your elite camp because his recruiting is going to go through the roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We, oh, I just I got a little tangent there. But you already know what it is. His recruiting is going to go crazy. All right? I'm going to end off this last um, episode uh, episode five, we getting it all the way live. I'm gonna talk about a little bit of the NBA. So the NBA is picking up. It's getting close to the playoffs. We've got like 13 or 14 games left in the NBA season, and AD finally returned. AD finally returned the other night um, for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he goes two for ten and only plays a half. And you're looking at AD, and he's shaking his head. He's kind of rusty. And I don't care if you're the best basketball player in the world. If you take time off, if you are injured. When you come back, you're going to come back a little rusty. It happens. It happens to the best of them. It happened to AD. AD was rusty. He was two for 10. You could tell he was rusty because you can't replace that five on five action. So now the Lakers, you know, even though they got, they got good supplemental pieces that have carried them through this period of LeBron missing 30 games and AD missing 20 plus games. Most, pro, most, most teams in the NBA, you take the two best players who are the two, two of the top 10 players in, in the league. And they miss 30 games and you still a sixth seed in the West? You gotta have some pieces like Montrez Harrell. You gotta have an Andre Drummond that's on the glass. You gotta get higher production out of KCP. You got uh 
the guards that's shooting it pretty well. The, the, the guy that used to be at Atlanta, like Schroeder. Schroeder shooting the ball really well. I mean, they got some supplemental pieces that have gotten them through this time, but they only do so much now. So they can't carry the load. So you'll start to see uh, what the Lakers are going to do if they're going to eat. They might even be in a playing game. They start dropping. That's why you saw AD come back. It's because Jenny busting them and everybody was like, look, we can't fly. We can't, we can't be in a playing game because our, our top guy is going to be rusty. So we got to stay six seed or above. And just so you know, for all my NBA people, uh, if you're the seventh, eighth, ninth, I think maybe even a tenth seed, you got a play-in game. So I think seven plays ten and eight plays nine. And you got to be able to win that play-in game to get into the playoffs. And these aren't no slouch teams. You got teams like the Blazers, the, uh, the Blazers that's involved. You got the Spurs that's involved in there. Uh, you got Memphis, I think, that's involved in there. So it's gonna be some teams where it's just like, whoa. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want no parts of that. I know the Lakers don't. Even with AD and LeBron, because um, they're going to be rusty. They're going to be rusty, and it's going to take them a week or two to get it together. Once they get it together, they'll be fine. But the one thing that I thought about with all these injuries, uh, with KD being out, with uh, AD being out, you know, Harden missing a lot of time. Um, he's out indefinitely into the playoffs. Is you didn't see the whole lot of load management this year. The, the Clippers tried to do it. And they verbally came out and said Kawhi and, and Paul George weren't playing in certain games. But I think some of these injuries, they're kind of stretching them out a little bit. They say, you know what? We're not going to load management. You got a legit in injury. Like LeBron James has a legit injury. Like it's legit. But I think they're stretching it out a little bit so he, they can make a playoff run. So they can be healthy for the playoffs. Right? Because a reg regular season to them is like whatever. You know, it's for fan doers, for the bets and all that. It ain't, you know, whatever. They get nothing out of the regular season outside of a seed. But instead of, you know, guys missing the, the second end of the back-to-back -to, -back to load management, say, you know what? I know you're hurt, but it's usually a two-week injury. We're going to stretch it out to four. This is usually a three-week injury. We're going to stretch it out to six. Uh, and I think you're starting to see a little bit of that. So instead of load management, you got prolonged injuries that is happening in the NBA. And it's, it's cool. When you have a, when you start a season so close to the end of last season, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have this. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. I know AD and LeBron will get the Lakers back to where they need to be. Steph Curry. I got to talk about Steph Curry, man. Like, this guy makes nine or ten threes in a game. Like, it's, like it's supposed to happen. Like, he hits those shots. And, and, and I still don't understand how he gets open shots. This is the best, one of the best shooters we've ever had. All-time three-point leader. How does Steph Curry get open? That's, when I'm watching Curry, and I'm watching how he's being defended, I'm like, everybody in the gym know he's going to shoot it. Whether he's on the dribble, whether it's off, the, off a down screen from Draymond or a handoff, he's going to get shots. How does Steph Curry get shots? You know how he gets shots? Because his trigger is so fast, he don't even, it, it, you can't even, you can't block his shot. From the shot pocket to the release, it's less than a second. His shot is lightning fast. So all they need is a little bit of space. He gets a little bit of space. Step back, bang. You can't, you ain't even see it coming. Like, man, I, there was nothing I could do. And he's been shooting the ball so crazy. He went from being laughed at, being um, when he had the braids early on in the season, we talked about the braids. He ain't got them braids no more. He had to get rid of them. And they was talking about Steph Curry, like the dynasty is over, it's over for Steph, cancel culture, to being in the MVP race, as he should be. When you can score 40 in a game for five or six straight games, you make 10, 11 threes in a game, yeah. 
win or lose, you're supposed to be there. And Steph was going crazy, man. So shout out to Steph Curry. I know he's a he's a friend of the podcast. No, he's not. He's he's not. I just love shooters. Anywhere is my favorite number 30. So I love Steph Curry, man. One of the best shooters ever. So he just went insane. He had a two-week span where nobody can guard him, man. And I saw a take online where, where people were blaming the state of basketball on Steph Curry and the fact that he shoots long threes. Like, oh, all these kids are shooting threes because of Steph Curry. He ruined it. No, he didn't ruin the game. Steph Curry did not ruin the game of basketball. I just need some of you old heads and some of you uh, traditional old school thinkers to just like, what's, what's the way that I can say it? I don't want to be rude. I want to say this nicely, but I'm going to need y'all to step your game up, man. The game has changed. Just the, the game ain't the same. The game ain't throw the ball inside, double the post, throw it out, make one more pass, attack. The, it's not It's not an inside game no more. It's a guard's game. It's a guard's game. So are guys going to shoot longer threes than they probably should? Yeah. Is Damian Litter going to shoot a half-court shot for the game? And make the shot? Probably. And when he makes it, he's going to wave goodbye to the other team. That's what he's going to do. It's a guards game. The game is dominated by guards. It is. And it's dominated by shooting. But he didn't ruin the game of basketball. I like watching it just like I love watching it back in the day when the scores was in the 80s. Man, the Detroit Pistons had the longest streak in the league of teams not scoring 80 points. I know we love watching the Pistons. But come on, they couldn't score 100 points. Teams couldn't score 80 on them. And they won, a, they won a championship, and they was holding teams at 80, 90, less than 90 points per game. Now everybody's scoring in the hundreds. But that doesn't mean that they ain't playing defense. These guys are just skilled. Damian Litter is uber skilled. So is Steph Curry. He ain't even, see what, 6'2", 180 pounds, maybe? 85? What? Like, but he's so skilled. He can shoot the ball so well that he can be one of the best players in the game. You don't have to be Shaq. You don't have to be 300 pounds. You could be a little guy like Steph that could shoot it at a high clip or like Damian Lillard. Like, you could have a place in the league if you could do it like that. But they didn't ruin the game, man. So I, I hate that take that Steph Curry ruined the game of basketball because he did not. Uh, let's talk about LeBron James a little bit. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But LeBron James put up some comments on his Twitter page about Micaiah Bryant and that situation that happened in Columbus, Ohio. And I think it was a quick trigger reaction. Where it happened, he might have saw the video and he saw the cop come out, shoot the young lady that had a knife in her hand, and he puts something on Twitter and then he deletes it. Uh, it might have been a quick reaction. I don't know. But if you're LeBron, you got to get your information before things happen. I'm not condoning what he said. I'm not condoning what's happening because this is not a political podcast. This is a basketball podcast. But what LeBron needs to understand is he's not just one of the best basketball players in the NBA. He's one of the most influential people in the world. So that means everybody's paying attention to you and your comments and your Twitter page. So when you put something up like that, oh, man, I know he got a phone call fast. Like, dog, what are you doing? Take that down, man. You're going to cost us some money. Now, I know that whether you whether you feel that's true or not, I get it. But like, yeah, man, well, let's stay out of that fight, man. Let's let's get you healthy. Let's get you back on the court, man, because you can't be putting up tweets uh, like you next. Like, uh, that's kind of uh, it was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough for LeBron. They dragging him, too. Oh, they dragging him on social media. But I'm not condoning either way. Now, the MVP race, going to talk about this, and I'm going to send you guys on your way because I know y'all just love talking to Coach Cam. It's your, it's your 
coach that knows hoops the most. I'm gonna talk about the MVP race. You got Jokic for Denver, who's been putting up huge numbers all season. You gotta throw Steph in the mix. LeBron is no longer in the mix. Missed too many games. When are we gonna talk about Julius Randle? I think Julius Randle needs to be in the MVP race. 30 and 10 a night, 30, 10 and 6. The, the, the New York Knicks are in the fourth or fifth seed out in the East. He goes, what, they won eight straight games? Like Julius Randle, like he's looking all team first NBA-ish, if not second team. And if you could be first or second team, and he ain't missed too many games, he playing every game. He's a stud stud. I don't even know if that's like a thing, but Julius Randle has been getting it done for the Knicks, and he should be in the playoff race. And even though... I criticize Chris Paul a lot. He should be in the MVP race too. Every franchise he goes to, he improves whatever they do. He went to New Orleans, they make the playoffs. He goes to Houston, they should have went to the NBA championship game if he don't turn his ankle. They go to the NBA championship game. They beat the, they beat the Warriors that year. They're in a the championship. And you talk about vetoing, vetoing trades, all the trade, you're you gonna let Harden go to the Nets, but you wouldn't let CP3 go to, to go to the Lakers and get with and get with Kobe. He get with Kobe instead of going to uh, the Clippers. He might have got him another one. Kobe might have got him another one. He might have got the six. He might have got two. You get Chris Paul. I could put Kobe off the ball. Now nah, he ain't got to bring it up. Oh, man. So, I mean, Chris Paul, I've, I've been critical of Chris Paul because I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan. But what he's doing in Phoenix is phenomenal. He's, he's changed the culture uh, there. Uh, so, I like to see what's going on in Phoenix. And Devin Booker, he's looking first team all NBA is too. He's more than just a shooter. Man, try to bet Devin Booker on made threes, and you're going to be upset. But, oh, yeah, man, he averaging 25. He should be able to make three or four threes. I ah, know he ain't. He barely making one or two. But that means he's getting to the rim. He's hitting mid-rangers. He's hitting floors, step backs. He ain't making too many threes. See, that's the you can see his game progressing. He's not just a three-point shooter. So two years ago, he was just a guy that could make shots. Scored 70 in a game against Boston Celtics. Most of that was the threes. Right? He was just a shooter. He ain't a, he's a player now. So the difference between a shooter and a player. Devin Booker is a player, right? And part of that is because Chris Paul can set him up. He can get him off screens and get him off the ball. He can score in multiple ways. So Devin Booker has had a great year for Phoenix. And that's my MVP race. Who I think wins MVP? I think Jokic probably wins MVP this year if they don't try to give it to Steph. I think if Steph continues on his role, he got he has a valuable shot, but the Warriors will have to make the playoffs for him to get it. The Warriors will have to make the playoffs for Steph Curry to win MVP. And he's putting up the same He's putting up better numbers than when he won it. So does he have a push to get it? I think he does because I think the Brooklyn Three, neither of them played enough games to be considered in the MVP race. Jokic, I think you're doing it because of his numbers. Uh, Denver has been up and down. But what Steph Curry has been doing has been so phenomenal. Give him the MVP, man. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, man. I'm at 50 minutes, man. I'm about to wrap this up like a present on December 24th, Christmas Eve. You already know how I do. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. If you want more updates about recruiting, make sure you go to at Mitten Recruit on Twitter. Make sure you go to the website, MittenRecruit.com. But I'm signing off, man. It's your coach that knows hoops the most, man. And I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Peace. It's your coach.